This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hey, that's pretty good. The Raptors defeat the New York Knicks. Bing bong, 120 to 105. A star turn for Fred Van Vliet. Oh, can it be a star turn? Felvery turned to the star. Like, this isn't new for him. He's been getting 30 in basically, I think, three out of the last four games. Maybe he had 29 in the other game of his last four. He's just been phenomenal, man. The, the terrific playmaking of Pascal Siakam continues. OG Ananobi, who was extremely muted in the second half, zero points, but awesome in the first half. And, you know, he, he slotted in at center for this game, which is kind of funny. But he was he was just terrifically on balance in the first half. His drives looked really good. There's a lot of punch to him. His first step was quick. He was on balance. So even if guys did catch up, he was strong enough to keep his plane going straight downhill He'd even settle into some, you know, pseudo post-ups and bully a guy like RJ Barrett in the post or something like that. And so seeing that from OG and a little bit quicker decision-making, albeit still somewhat slow. And, you know, Pascal's guilty of that as well a little bit. It's just the playmaking makes up for it to a certain degree, right? And But yeah, so OG, I mean, the first half was really lovable stuff. But obviously the story of this game lies with Fred and Pascal. And to a lesser degree, the, the burgeoning two-man action not two-man action, two-man game of Precious Achua and Chris Boucher. They linked up on a few plays. It was pretty fun. I uh, I likened them to, or I suggested they may need a, a buddy cop Photoshop. And uh, at Keenan on Twitter, uh, you may know him. He's pretty popular on Raptors Twitter. You can find it at YPRE with a lot of E's on there. But uh, yeah, he, he said bone cop, bad cop was the, the comp, and I thought that was really great. So yeah, super fun game where a lot of the Raptors players got to show something that isn't always part of their game, but is something that everybody's hoping for. With Fred Van Vliet, obviously, it's the continued potency of his pull-up three. It was around, like, I think it was 36% he was pulling up threes that he was making, and then he hit a dip at the start of December, and then it started coming back around. It was sitting around, like, 31%. It's probably up to 33 or 34 now, but it's on heavy usage, and it it really affects how teams play him in the pick and roll, and it opens up a lot of passing for him. It's just, it's been a really nice mix into his game. It makes him more dangerous. And I mean, he finished at the rim in this game too, and his finishing at the rim has been a huge part of this year, just in where he's improved. 
and something that helps him a lot because he still passes out of, I think, 60% of his drives. But it helps that he's finishing above 60% at the rim instead of around 50 or below 50%, which has been the case in many years past. So that's that's fantastic for him. And just 35 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds, and 0 turnovers in this game. Really, just all-star stuff. And that's what Fred Van Vliet has been this year. His resume does say all-star. Whether you want the traditional statistics, whether you want to mix in the catch-alls that take into account for defense and can try and capture defensive impact, then you're looking at him as maybe an all-NBA guard, but you know, catch-alls don't carry as much weight in the community as the traditional stuff. And so probably just an all-star, but certainly is of merit. He's an all-star player currently. And the same could be said for Pascal Siakam, albeit like Pascal's not getting into the game. It took a little bit for him to get back into the swing of things after coming back from injury. And he missed, I think, nine games prior to that anyway. And the Raptors certainly won't have a good enough record to warrant two All-Stars. And Fred has been the best player on the team so far this year. But Pascal, in December, and if you count this game, which is the January 2nd game, right? He's averaging, I think, like over the past month, basically 23 points, 10 boards and four and a half or between four and a half and five assists on like 49 percent from the field. The three point shooting has not really been there anywhere besides from the corners and the free throw shooting has been a little bit wavery. But the sheer amount of possessions that he's able to take advantage of in the mid range to keep the Raptors half court offense afloat when. Maybe the maybe the Fred Van Vliet pick and roll isn't working as well as they want to, or maybe the Gary Trent Jr. dribble handoffs or pin downs aren't working as well as they want to, and the defense is really sinking in. Maybe the Raptors are really struggling from three early on. Then Pascal being able to go to work in the middle of the floor, get to the line, get to his shots, push shots, mid-rangers, whatever, and to be able to score on even just like around average to above average efficiency is so important. And not to mention with that, he's also playmaking at an extremely high rate, especially for a front court player. Since last season, he's been one of the best front court passers in the league. And you get a plus defensively on top of that. He is, over the last you know month, an all-star level player, which he should be. Pascal should be an all-star level player. So this is good to see him return to form. Will he get voted in? Definitely not. Coaches won't pick him either. But He's been really great over the past month, and this game was no different, creating tons of great looks for teammates, whether it be at the cup, from three, whatever, pushing in transition, playing terrific defense, closing out defensive possessions, and my God, just just being able to get to spots on the floor, make shots from there, put pressure on the rim, it really helps the whole process of what the Raptors do offensively. So yeah, hell yeah, Pascal. And this is my only quibble. It's something I actually tweeted about. But you can see on a lot of the turnovers he makes, and especially if if you know what I'm talking about, this play will pop right into your mind. When he's dribbling down the middle, he turns his body to face to his left. He collects, and he's like perpendicular to the sideline, right? And he tries to pass in air. A lot of times, turnovers come out of that play. It It, it puts him in a very weak position. It means like he has to get rid of the ball before he lands. He's, he's in a really tough spot. And just the way he gathers himself, it's pretty predictable for teams. He had one of those, actually two of those turnovers today. And I had tweeted out, like, I'd like to see the jump stop. The jump stop in the lane would likely add a lot of versatility to what Pascal's able to do in the middle of the floor. And he's already capable of a bunch, but it would just make him a lot stronger. He passes really, really well when he's groundbound 
less so when he's up in the air. So I was looking for that. And then he did it later on in the game, had a really nice jump stop in the lane, got it into free throws and all that kind of stuff. So that was really cool to see. But just from the two big guys, really fantastic stuff in Pascal and Fred. And that was throughout the whole game. And then, of course, OG being able to come in and provide serious punch as a driver as well. He was one of five from three, I think, in this game. And that's that's where a lot of OG's value lies as well, obviously, is that he isn't limited to the corner. He can hit from dead on. He can hit from above the break. He can hit from the corner. He can space out, and he'll shoot around 40, between 38 to 40, 41% from three. And that's just something he's always been able to do. And the volume can go upwards, and he can still maintain that efficiency. But him being able to take guys off the dribble and do it with a little bit quicker decision-making in this game, the it's not really a big three, but for all intensive, you know, let's just say it's the big three of this game. I was really happy, especially in the first half. They just looked phenomenal. And, uh, yeah, OG settled down and didn't want to do much of anything in the second half, which is fine. He's coming back from, from COVID. He's doing his thing. It's Everybody has to get into their routine. And the same thing applies for Gary Trent Jr., actually, who, you know, the last two games haven't been anything to write home about for him. And the game prior to that, he went – he was against Philly. He went like six of 24 from the field. He had seven assists, though, and I, I wrote about his assists and how that's been a nice thing that's been developing. But in this game, you know, he fouled out six fouls in like, what, 19, 20 minutes, five, four, and two for the game. It, it's just a tough game. That's all. Like, the, the whistle was pretty tight. R.J. Barrett, like, there's a couple plays where, you know, there's a little bit of contact that ended up being a foul call and against other players, too. So it's just... Really tough whistle. He didn't make the adjustment to the whistle defensively. And, like, Barrett, Toppin, quickly, Burks did a really good job hanging with him offensively. So, yeah, he went two for seven at five points. Didn't really do much of anything. And that's okay, though, because that's not every game has to be, you you know, you come shoot the lights out or you do whatever. You put up a, a ton of shots. Like, a game like this where the Raptors had it, you can really stomach a tough Gary Trent Jr. game, which this was, but... You can absolutely stomach it. Chris Boucher deserves a lot of love once again. He's had like two bad games in, you know, in a stretch of maybe like 10 or 12 games. And it's really been impressive to see how he's turned his season around. Two steals, two blocks, 12 points, four rebounds. On the on the business end of a couple precious Achua lobs that were super fun. And honestly, like, this, it's not an incredible run of form defensively or anything like that. But today was pretty damn good. Change shots. I didn't see him miss an X out, actually. The rotations were pretty good. And it's uh, his defense hasn't been the leading narrative of his turnaround. And, and you know, because he's when he's on, he's one of the best, you know, uh, bench bigs as far as offensive pop in the NBA. So that's kind of what we're seeing here. And that's a big part of why he's been a lot more valuable on the court as of late. But in this game, just really fun to see him running out on the break with the dribble or just as a guy leaking out. Like, he he got to the free throw line the one time, and I think he was the guy farthest back, but he saw that the Knicks weren't really set up. I mean, they were, like, five across. They didn't have any depth to their defense, so he took the ball, and he took a guard off the dribble and just drove as hard as he possibly could to the rim, didn't lose the ball, drew free throws, and it's like, that's a cool thing to see. And the fact that he beats other bigs down the floor all the time and he's active on the offensive glass, he's looking to make stuff happen, it's... He didn't have any in this game, no offensive rebounds, but he's tapping stuff. He's keeping the ball alive, even if other people end up getting to it or even if the other team feels pressure for a bit. So, yeah, really nice Chris Boucher game. 
And then Scotty Barnes, of course, the golden child, the fourth overall pick who's just been fantastic. His game was definitely pared down in this one and would have maybe liked to see him have a little bit more freedom. I thought, I understand like Pascal was maybe attempting to get the triple-double. He ended up three assists short and had a couple lackadaisical turnovers towards the end of the game when I think they're up like 26 and, you know, it's just kind of whatever. He was, you know, he was just hanging out. He's trying to create some shots for teammates. He ended up turning the ball over. But Scotty, it would have been cool to see him get a little bit longer leash, just see, like, let him run out on the floor, see what happens, because he's such a fantastic player to watch as far as the decision-making, because you saw him in transition make a really bad read and turn the ball over when the Raptors had the man advantage. Then the Knicks came down the other way, tried to lob it up. OG was the farthest guy back. He tipped the lob forward, and then Scotty got the ball back, and he's back in transition trying to make a read in the open floor. And what does he do? He makes an incredible read that leads to a layup because that's what he does. He makes high-risk, high-reward reads that give you really easy baskets. I love high-risk, high-reward reads. I think we need to see more of them on this team. And that's, you know, I've talked about this, like part of why Fred has been better in the pick and roll and just better overall is he's making more dangerous passes passes this year. And Scotty. No look pass to Precious, who passed it to Boucher, I believe. And it was just like, hell yeah, keep making those reads. Not to mention this dude, Hezzy, in and out dribble, and then like a little baby step back into a three. That's awesome to see, man. And he had a, and he had another catch and shoot three that came from Pascal, which is, once again, when Pascal passes to Scotty for three, it goes in at an absurd rate. He's probably at like 50, still probably around 54, 55% for, for the season at this point which is absurd. That's a really, really high percentage for a guy like Scotty who shoots, what, like 36, 37% from the field? Or not field, sorry, from three-point land. And then he just had this remarkable sky uh, offensive rebound that he tipped in with his left hand off of a Fred miss, I believe. And that, that's the thing is, like, Scotty, I think, you know, he had a really, really great defensive game, I thought, because when he was paired with OG and Pascal, like, this is the platonic ideal is that they can stunt and cover so much ground together when they're when they're playing in defensive harmony and they can recover for each other and they can X out and they can there's so much ground that's being covered and when they play together their length it just creates like this wall of amorphous defense where they can move and be seamless and all this kind of stuff. And Scotty, when they were guarding a lot of the Knicks initial actions, stunting against, you know, when the Knicks were getting into the paint or digging in and recovering, like Scotty fit in very well in that. And it was one of, it wasn't one of his games where he, you were like, oh my God, Scotty is the, you know, a world ending presence or anything like that. But it's, it's certainly a positive defensive game for him. And when that stuff just becomes par for the course, that's when Scotty is an immensely, immensely valuable player for a rookie. And then we'll start just being an immensely valuable player. Rookies aren't often, you know, contributing to teams winning. Especially not at, you know, how many minutes Scotty's playing. Like, he doesn't have a bit role. He's incubated to some degree because the Raptors, there's only certain types of plays that they run for him and they give him the ball a lot, you know, when advantage is already created. But rookies don't typically help push winning a lot. And Scotty absolutely is doing that at this point in the season. So that's awesome to see. And maybe would have liked to see him get a little bit more of the ball in this game. But especially since it was out of hand for, you know, a decent chunk of time, but Dems the breaks. Kim, 
still looked pretty slick offensively. Man, he can move. When the Knicks went to zone, he's moving in the middle of the court really well. And when the Raptors went to zone, this was where his lone block came from. But he switched out, well, not switched out, covered three different guys who were cycling through the middle of the Raptors zone and eventually, you know, covered all of them, did really well to negate passes and deny, and then providing that presence in the middle of the floor when they eventually came down the middle of the lane, got a block on Barrett, I believe. And so it's like, Watching him move defensively, it's pretty crisp. It's pretty nice. And the same thing goes offensively. It's not a huge pop or anything, but he's working within the middle of what the Raptors want to do. He's setting quality screens. He's rolling into space and making reads from there. It's it's not Jokic or anything. I mean, nobody is. But yeah, he, he's doing quite well. And then a shorter game for Utah than we're used to seeing of late, obviously with basically everybody back on the roster, save for David Johnson, Goran Dragic, who have been out for forever. And Isak Bonga is uh he's still in health and safety protocols, I believe. But yeah. Uh Utah, decent game. Hit a three that I really liked, got to the line. That was cool. Uh I will always like when Utah is able to get to the line, even if he splits the free throws. Champagne hit a corner three, got a put back because he always gets put backs because he has just incredible, incredible nose for the ball. And uh, yeah, he'll always be he'll always be in the mix around the rim or the dunker spot. Like you'll be able to find him. He'll be in the right spot. He'll be he'll be dangerous to the other team, even if he's not able to take guys off the bounce and slam on their heads or anything like that. But yeah, and then yeah, Svi with nine, just about ten minutes played in this game. There was an interesting comment from Nick Nurse prior to the game where he was talking about Svi being they they need him in the mold of an another Gary Trent Jr. type of player. And he said he was patient waiting for that and he thinks it'll come around. And it's it's pretty tough to see that happening because Svi, I if I were going to believe in him being a productive player, it would have to start with a like better decision making. And that decision making is linked to how, you know, he hasn't been able to produce from three the way that you would want him to, especially with the quality of shots that he's been able to get. And the three-point shot just has to come around in a more meaningful way for Svi. And then he has to make better plays off of that. Like in the preseason, Svi was outfoxing hedges in the pick and roll and making great reads as a passer. But maybe this is a guy who just does not do that against, you know, an engaged NBA defense or something because we haven't seen much of it this year. And also, again, in like the free and open play of the preseason, Svi was such a heady cutter, really clever player but it's much more subdued during the regular season. So he, he just has to be able to translate more of his game because he is a really strong athlete and he does have like a nice handle. He can get to spots on the floor, but it's it's been fairly subdued all year. And especially with when the Raptors are trying to get through, you know, let's say a particularly tough stretch of the game and the ball ends up in Svi's hands for an open three-point shot or something, not enough of those are falling in at this point. And it just really helps add to the shooting woes and the scoring woes of the Raptors bench. And that's something that Svi, if he were, you know, even shooting, well, not, yeah, shooting at roughly the Detroit Pistons version of himself level, and that's around 40% from three, then immediately he's, you know, there's a lot more punch to his offensive game and he'll get a little bit more attention. He can get downhill off of that and make laydowns and stuff, but he uh something has to give like something there has to be a skill that swings for Svi to start turning more of these negative performances into positive ones and he he his decision making is that of a guy who's 
uh, more positively impacting the game than he is currently. Sometimes there's too much uh, dip on his chip. But yeah, man, it's it's tough to play at the NBA level and it's tough to do it all the time. And so, yeah, sorry, Svi, that's a little bit harsh. But yeah, man, Raptors, they, they cakewalk this one. They absolutely beat up on the Knicks, who admittedly were missing Julius Randle and Derrick Rose and who, who I guess Noel wasn't there either. And neither was Mitchell Robinson. So Mitchell Robinson can't get the Mitchell Robinson award, unfortunately. Unless you want him to, then, you know, just operate going forward as if he did. But the Reggie Evans award, I'm giving it to Pascal Siakam. Grabbing boards once again, that's always the biggest, that's always the biggest indicator of whether or not you'll be winning the Reggie Evans award is how many boards did you grab? Were you hustling? Were you bustling? And uh, yeah, Pascal was definitely hustling, bustling, and grabbing boards. But uh, hell yeah. Top quick reaction comment is from TSF. Quote, it's not correct to call Siakam a luxury game. He brought you points, rebounds, playmaking defense. That isn't a luxury performance. That is very crucial to a team's success. End quote. Yeah, I, I don't know who called his, his game a luxury. But, you know, Pascal was, has been... It, like there, there hasn't been at any point since Pascal has joined the Raptors that he's been a luxury. When he was part of the bench mob, his playmaking, his ability to push in transition and occasionally, you know, finish at the rim was absolutely essential. Even when he first got drafted to the Raptors, he started his first two games because they needed somebody to fill that spot, and he, it certainly wasn't a luxury then. And then, obviously, Pascal, he guarded John Wall in a playoff series. He he guarded Russell Westbrook in the regular season before uh before, you know, he was a super well not a superstar, before he was an all-star, before he was all NBA. And the Raptors have always used him as like an immensely positive and valuable player. And then, you know, over the past few seasons, everybody's aware of what Pascal has been. And this year, I mean, you know, Fred, the pick and roll has been awesome. Like, he scores in the pick and roll better than he ever has. He playmakes in the pick and roll better than he ever has. He's better than he ever has been. But you cannot divorce the Raptors' half-court success from Pascal Siakam. And the half-court success is a huge part of why the Raptors have stabilized as a team. And obviously, defensively, the Raptors have stabilized as well. But, you know, that's obviously Pascal. You don't stabilize a defense all by yourself. You don't take a de- tank a defense all by yourself. But the best players in the NBA can really help do that for half-court offenses. And since Pascal arrived or came back, the half-court offense has just been significantly better and it's because he brings so much value. And so, yeah, overall, I mean, Pascal is absolutely crucial to the Raptors. If He's a really good player. Like, he's playing all-star level basketball. That is never a luxury. That is, that is a necessity if you want to be a good team to have all-star level players. And that's what, yeah, that's what Siakam is. So I don't know who called him a luxury. Or anything like that. But uh, yeah, disagree with the luxury point. Agree with you, TSF. Uh, crucial. Uh, necessary. So anyway, thanks for thanks for tuning in. Listener, uh, thanks for listening in. But whether you got into it in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye. <laughs>